lights over my Look over here So welcome everyone to another episode of Checkmate, a political podcast by Tenementian Media. I'm your host, Davey, again, sitting in for Paige. Um, on the last episode, we spoke to Chris. Um, he's a Bahamian uh, political analyst and he came and spoke about the election, the Bahamian election that went a few days, a few weeks, last week at this time. And um, congrats to PLP and their win. Um, we spoke at length about this famous image <laughs> that existed in 2018-2019 when um, a group of head of state in the Caribbean went to see Trump. The only person who is currently in power of that image is Jamaica's very own Andrew Holness. So that thing that me and Chris was talking about didn't come to manifest. It's just Andrew alone standing. Um, so on this episode, right, we're going to bring it back to Jamaica for a bit. And we have um, one of the new, exciting, upcoming politicians, right? Um, we have the Honorable Robert Nesta Morgan, right? Um, he's the Minister of State in the Ministry of Education, Youth and Information with Responsibility of Youth and Information. So we're not going to talk to him at length about Education Ministry here. And he's also the Member of Parliament for North Central Clarendon. Um, that's the former seat of Pernell Charles. So, um, Mr. Morgan, thank you so much for coming to the yard. You can just give your greetings to our listeners. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for inviting me to this very important opportunity to share what we are doing here at the Ministry of Education. Um, and you guys have been doing amazing work. I think I was on your program once before, um, but I really like what you guys are doing and I want you to just continue doing it. So welcome to your listeners and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so if anybody listened to our election coverage last year when we covered majority of the um, new, the constituency in Jamaica election, um, Nesta was, we couldn't have Nesta as a guest because he was busy, but we got his um, his five better plan for North Central Clarendon and we did talk at length about it um, during that election. So um, people remember our coverage of his seat. Um, but and talk about the Ministry of Youth and Information now. So, um, Mr. Morgan, the 211 Child Abuse Helpline was launched on Wednesday, I believe that's September 22nd, right? Can you give us an idea of what exactly is this helpline? Well, 211 is geared at giving children access as personal reporters to issues such as child abuse. Um, we recognize that the previous number, 880 Protect, was not necessarily the easiest number to remember, and we're trying to streamline our assistance in the child care ecosystem. So we thought that it was best to um, do a number that everyone could remember for the first time. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that people have easy access, free of cost, confidentially 
to assistance whenever they have issues related to child abuse, child neglect, and other issues related to children. All right, understand. And another, right, so you mentioned the 888 Protect System, which was launched, I believe, 2019, and that was um, your predecessor, so predecessor before? I it was actually launched in about 2011, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I remember when Terlang, um, Alanda Terlang, when he was in your post, I remember he did a ceremony about that one. But can you tell me how this helpline is different from the PSOJ UNICEF um, helpline that they launched last year, October? So the Children's Registry is the main organization that is empowered by law to receive reports related to children, child abuse particularly. Um, so what we, we have the remit and the authority based on the legislation to ensure that the Children's Registry, which has now been merged into the CDA and a thing called the CPFSA, Child Protection and Family Services Agency. So this hotline is not a line similar to what the OCA has, which is more about counseling and so on. This line is actually aimed at collecting reports of child abuse, transferring the information, doing the investigations, working with Sissoka and the police where it's necessary. Um, so it's a different line. One is a line to counsel and to talk to children and others. The other line is actually about reporting issues of abuse and working towards um, action, towards a resolution to those issues. Okay, understand. Um, and I just a few, just just to dissect it a bit more. Um, can you go into who are the experts who will be monitoring these um, these lines and and dealing with these um, cases? So the Children's Registry as a whole cadre of social workers and professionals who are a part of the ecosystem. So they are trained to look at these issues and to direct the queries to the relevant area, whether it is requiring an intervention, whether it requires transferring it to, let's say, the helpline that the OCA has, or the suicide prevention hotline, or to Sissoka, or so on. Um, so the, these persons are well-trained. They have a lot of experience um, in the area, and they have been doing this for a while. We just improved the training and increased the number to man the, the hotline 24 hours a day. All right, so um, that's good to hear that there's an increase because this year, um, Capri report fixed the village. If any, if our listeners haven't read that report, it's a bit lengthy. We did cover that report with the leading researcher on it, um, Dr. Leon Levers. So if you haven't had the opportunity to read it, you can go ahead and listen to her podcast episode with her where she went into some important statistics about it. And if I remember correctly, there was a task, there was a number in it that as of March 2020, um, the Child Protection and Family Services, they had about 100 um, staff workers, each with an average case total of about 150 children, with some managing as much as 200 children. That's per individual. So the idea that these are new persons coming in um, to manage this is good to hear, right? Because I do have a case of overbearing individuals and people spreading too thin. 
Um, so Mr. Morgan, just if it's an emergency situation in this, in the, in the say two o'clock, three o'clock where a child called this line, is there a guideline to get that child out of that situation as soon as possible? So, so the, the CPFSA, despite the resource challenges that you just articulated, has been pretty good in recent times in intervening in situations where children are at risk. Um, I monitor the situations on a weekly basis. I get briefed every Monday morning about the major issues that are taking place. And what happens is when you call, um, and depending on the nature of the situation, the teams can be activated 24 hours a day. And in many cases, it includes the police. So while the, the caseworkers do are really burdened, and we're doing a reform of the CPFSA now, to try and increase the amount of social workers that are there, we still are functioning pretty much effectively when we get information. And you would have probably heard media reports of several incidents that have taken place that have seen our intervention. A lot of those incidents came through reports to Payday Protect and other lines, and now they are coming through 211. All right, understand. Um, is there a future where 211 will? Um, evolve and 888 protect system will dissolve where they will both be working, as I said, one for deal with cases and one for the, psychologic, the psychological impacts of um, abused survivors? Well, eventually we will phase out 888 protect, but we will not do that yet because there's still a lot of people in the society who only know that number. Um, so it would not be wise to phase it out now but as 211 becomes more prominent and becomes the main number, um, eventually you will be able to, to close down 888 Protect, um, basically, yes. Okay, understand. All right, so thank you for that information on 211. Um, yeah, <laughs> there have been a few helplines geared towards youth, so just want to ensure that persons, especially our young listeners, because um, that's our main demographic and persons who listen to us understand this line. All right, so I want to move on to some other things that you're doing in your ministry. Um, and, you know, some promises that were said. So last year in JLP Manifesto, again, if you have not taken a look at JLP Manifesto, if you don't know the promises that they meant, it's on our website and it's broken down in easily digestible pieces where you can go and say, oh, youth, click, and you see all the promises that were made. And um, one of the promises was to amend Section 24 of the Child Care and Protection Act, where it basically talks about um, uncon uncontrollable um, children, right? And in the same Capri report that I mentioned earlier, um, there is a figure that says that of the 4,875 children between the age of 0 to 18 in state care, 60% are labeled um, uncontrollable. And uncontrollable can mean a series of things. It can mean that they are queer and their parents are homophobic. It could mean that some they are being abused and that they're acting out because of that. It, it, it could mean a plethora of things. So um, I just want to know if you can provide an update on amending that um, current act of the CCPA. Well, the actual intention is to repeal it. Um, we, are, we have already um, drafted the cabinet submission. The cabinet gave us instructions to urgently deal with it. Um, so that submission is now going through the process to go to cabinet to repeal section 24. 
because we believe that there are other aspects of the the, the CCPL Child Care and Protection Act 2004 that can deal with the issue. The fact of the matter is that there are children with serious behavioral issues and we need to find a way to intervene in their lives. Um, we do not believe, however, that incarcerating children that are not in, not, have not been charged with a crime is a good approach, which is why the commitment was made to repeal Section 24 or to amend it. We have decided to repeal it. So you will hear in short order that that section is being um, gotten rid of. But there's a bigger approach in terms of the Child Care and Protection Act itself. We have now finished the process of reviewing it. It went to a joint select committee and we spent the last couple of months since I've been here going through the document and now we, are, we have a document that is ready for cabinet, which is a very significant um, development as it, it is the first time that the CCPA is, is going to be amended since it was it was um, done in the, in the late 2000s or mid 2000s. As it relates to the type of children that were deemed uncontrollable, it's a wide variation. Um, I don't know if, if, um, <laughs> if uh, wait, what, did, what did the word you used was homophobia is a prominent factor. But we have issues such as truancy, we have issues such as children who are involved in illicit trade, children who are running away. Um, a lot of the infractions that the children are accused of are infractions that we believe can be dealt with in a less punitive way. My belief is that children who run away are either running away from something or running towards something. So you have to go deeper within the, the, the situation to figure out what is the exact challenge that this child has rather than allowing the parents just to take them in front of the courts, which in many cases does not result in a positive outcome for the child. For a child is deemed X or Y, you have to do a psychosocial analysis of that child to find out what the issue is. And that's the direction that we're trying to go in order to have a definitive approach to assist these children rather than just putting them away in a, in a, in a, in a remand center or a juvenile facility. All right. Okay, thank you. And um, as Mr. Morgan said, um, that act is being um, repealed. Um, as you know, at the yard, right, um, once there's a major um, law that's been changed, um, we try our best to make it accessible to the public. So people can remember the customs um, social media campaign that we ran this year. Um, <laughs> um, few people did some submissions based on what we had and um, the sexual harassment bill, okay? So as soon as that bill um, is, as soon as that act become a bill, that whole government thing, <laughs> we will try to have it access accessible to the general public. Um, so, Thank you for that, Mr. Morgan. Another thing I want to get into is the amending of the Adoption Act of 1958. Um, something I'm very much interested in. Um, I believe the last time this act was even looked at was um, 1982. And it's called into question recently uh, because it was announced that less than 1% of all children are adopted in Jamaica. And there is like a long process of getting um, children out of state care. Um, so is there an update on 
repealing, amending the adoption of CAF 1958? Well, the good news is that we have finished the draft policy of the Adoption Act. Um, it has come out of many decades of discussions and consultations. Um, when, when I became minister in charge of this section under Favour Williams, we decided that we were going to have a few legislative priorities. One was the CCPA and one was the Adoption Act. Um, and we are very far down the wicket in the reform of the Adoption Act, as we believe that there are a lot of persons out there who want to adopt, but because of the nature of the system and how the system is managed, it makes it challenging for them. So we have been working with our stakeholders, working with the Adoption Board and persons on it to see how we can make the system more seamless and more transparent. And I think that's what the new policy that is going to govern the, the, the formulation of the new law is looking at. So that's another big ticket item that I'm focused on. Policy Draft policy is finished. It's going through the process. It will be submitted to cabinet very soon. But, you know, the legislative process in Jamaica takes a while. So we're working and pushing at that. All right. That's great to hear. All right. So um, another thing I want to get into is the current vaccination drive um, by the Ministry of Health, but in working with Ministry of Youth to get persons between the age of 12 to 18 vaccinated. No, um, I'm Gen Z. <laughs> I'm Gen Z, but I'm over 18. So I'm already vaccinated and didn't need um, parental um permission to um but can you speak about that campaign that the ministry is doing i can't even imagine what you guys are going through um because it's a lot <laughs> but what's the campaign like and trying to get um more children vaccinated so we can actually get them into school i know the last figure i saw was that there was over twenty-two thousand students fully children fully vaccinated and 73,000 there about who have gotten at least a first dose. Um, so yeah, let me know. And if you can go into detail, if you have any data on path children, uh, I'm just speaking about but campaign. We don't really, we don't really um, dissect the data as it relates to path and non-path. Um, what we've been trying to do is to encourage as many young people as possible between 12 and 18, as we will not be opening our high schools, unless the school has a 65% um, number or percentage of their student population vaccinated. We have seen some success, approximately 70,000, as you said, have received at least one dose of the Pfizer vaccine. The Prime Minister did announce in Parliament that the next tranche of Pfizer will be exclusively dedicated the children. That is something that we're very happy about. We believe that since children can only take the Pfizer, then children should be the ones to get the Pfizer. I think adults have a large number of vaccines out there. We have um, the, the, the AstraZeneca vaccine, we have the J&J vaccine, we have the Moderna vaccine that are out there for them. Um, so they can have those options, but the children need to get back to school. And that's a commitment from the Ministry of Education to work as hard as possible to get as many of our children back into school because we recognize also that there's a lot of learning loss taking place out there. A lot of kids are disconnected from the education system, whether it's because they don't have tablets or they don't have consistent internet connection or they don't have electricity. And a myriad of issues, especially in rural areas like the constituency I'm in, which is North Central Karima. So our commitment, and we've been working really hard at it, working with the Ministry of Health and Wellness, 
what you know, our teachers, our principals, our stakeholders. We recently had a thing called the COVID um, task force, the e-COVID task force that we assembled last year that really advised us. And um, we got some really good insights from them. Um, last week, Makiba Robinson represented the PSOJ on it, and she really gave some good insights as well as some other persons like the head of the Principals Association, the head of the Early Childhood um, Commission and so on. So we're doing the work. Um, it's a very difficult time. The pandemic is impacting students all over the world. But we're seeing how best we can formulate strategies to assist them to get back to face-to-face -face quickly. Running media campaigns as well. We ran a massive media campaign at the beginning of this period where children were being given vaccines. And when the next tranche comes, which is about 200,000 more, we're going to be doing similar things to get at least double or triple the number that is there. All right. Okay. Thank you for that update. And um, just a quick question, just um, for your listeners. You do continue the tradition of, I want to say, if memory serves me right, <laughs> that it was... Was it started? No, let me not say incorrect information because I'm not sure. Um, but you are continuing the tradition of having youth um advisors um in the ministry, right? I know you have the Youth Advisor Council of Jamaica, the National Youth Council of Jamaica. I personally don't know the difference between them. Um, and you have the Jamaica Union of Tertiary Students. So you do have different students who are at the table per se, quotation, quotation, who are providing um some kind of input, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, so the Youth Advisory Council um, is is the is the is is is, is advises the minister basically. You have the student council body. You have JUTS, which represents tertiary students. Um, I am panel the advisory council um, a couple months ago. They have been doing some work. I mean, we're going through some teething pains, but that's that's natural when it comes to bodies like that. So my approach is to try and empower as many young people as possible to be a part of the conversation. We're trying to move away from the Kingston-centered youth alone and try to get the voice of youths in the other parishes, Westmoreland, St. St. James, Hanover, Trelawney, Clarendon, St. Elizabeth, and so on, St. Mary, thereabout. Because what I'm trying to do is really democratize, 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 my apologies, um, the access that youth have. Um, when, when we came up with the council this year, we decided to make it 50-50. 50% um, men, 50% women, co-chaired by a male and a female, or a woman and a man. And it's the same approach we're taking also with the youth parliament, where we're trying to keep that gender balance in place. I mean, a lot of these things, people don't really see them and they don't really recognize them, but they have a fundamental impact on how young persons perceive the avenues of access that they have and the equity, the equity that exists within these avenues. And that's what I have tried to do um, since I've been in charge of this section of the portfolio, to really bring equity and to really give them a voice, to have an open door where if they have issues, they can articulate them to me or to the team at the ministry. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Um, in the upcoming weeks, I think I'm not sure about telling me the other agenda at the moment. Um, 
uh, we'll be trying to interview at least a representative of the three main organizations. I personally want to talk to them. They represent me, my voice, but them not talk to me. So me don't know. So <laughs> we'd hope to like get them to speak um, about what they do and just clear any confusion, right? So, um, but Mr. Morgan, thank you so much for coming to the yard. Um, you are our first Jamaican politician. I wouldn't say first politician, first Jamaican politician. Um, yeah, we say something, guys. Like, it's easier for us to get politicians outside of Jamaica than in Jamaica, but to understand, everybody busy. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, again, the 211 child abuse airplane has been launched. And it's the hope that, um, you know, it's been utilized in the way that it was created to be. And also um, the other uh, initiatives by the ministry is um, known to the public and people can utilize that and even bring the information to children in a, um, in a way that they can use it and understand. Because I think one of the issues with 888 Protect was it did too long for young children to even dial. I think that was one of the issues that came up um, some time ago. So, um, yeah, thank you, Mr. Morgan, for coming on and clarifying that. Before I go, I just want to say, in I, I don't know what happened, right? But in the last couple of days, we have gotten a series of emails and DMs about um, politician numbers. <sighs> Guys, <laughs> it's on the website. If you click landlord, there's landlord premises and landlord reps. If you go to landlord reps, choose the parish that you live in once you choose the parish you will see the constituency which is broken down by community once you click that you can see your member of parliament you will see their number their constituency office their social media handles and what else they're there i think you can see their constituency information like what eoaj has and stuff like it's there on the website so to come to us and wait <laughs> for us to tell you the information you can just go to the website it's there um but yeah that's what i was supposed to tell you guys but thank you again mr morgan and thank you everybody for listening this is another episode of checkmate a political podcast by tenement yard media you can just follow us at tenement yard underscore on twitter tenement yard underscore on instagram you have a youtube i think you can also subscribe there and all the links to articles that are necessary to understand more about what the ministry of youth has been doing over the past few months almost a year now we're going to link it on our website so you can have things to read um but thank you and we're gonna make protege close us out and yeah get vaccinated always right over my look over here Jaja bless her with the brightest light And I shine upon the youth them blind Cause we there so 